Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. What's it stand for? Okay, what's it stand for? Oh, Miss Martial Arts. Oh, no. Oh, that's right. Ah. Uh, <laughs> start again. Start again. Start again. Start again. Start again. Write it back. All right. <laughs> oh, Bear no. with us. We'll, we'll be back after these words. I'm just kidding. Yeah, yeah, Welcome to the UFC 267 post-fight show. For the love of God, it has been a day. And gentlemen, we got AK. We got Casey here. AK, let me start with you. You are the Prince of Positivity. We are going to begin on to the next one tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Talking about Glover Teixeira, the brand new light heavyweight champion of the world. He goes out there, wins the first round against Jan Blachowicz. He's winning the second round, hurts Blachowicz, gets it back to the ground, submits him in round two. And the 42-year-old, or the recently turned 42-year-old from New England is a world champion. Isn't MMA the best, AK? Isn't MMA the best? I mean, we were saying this last year when, you know, Jan won the world title. We were like, man, I can't believe I guess it's 37-year-old Jan Blahovich is a UFC champion. And now it's, man, I can't believe 42-year-old Gloria Teixeira is a, is a UFC champion. So, yeah, it, it is amazing. And it feels deserved. I, I know uh, I know a lot of people are kind of, not a lot of people, just say our, our own Jed Mishu kind of had this take that was like, oh, man, doesn't it look... Isn't it going to look weird if um, if Glover wins and a 42-year-old guy is sitting at the top of the, the light heavyweight division? Who cares? Who cares about his age? He's right now has a claim to be the best light heavyweight in the world. I'm sure it will be disputed, uh, just as Jan's was, especially early on when John Jones was still in the picture. I don't think he's maybe not as much of a factor anymore. But given that you know the top, uh, top seven or eight of, of light heavyweight is actually pretty lively again, you are going to have people who will say, yeah, but how long is he going to hold on to it? And uh, is this, you know, is this just, is, just, is he just going to be one and done? And you know what? I think for today, we can say it doesn't matter. It happened. He's in the books forever. I don't believe in the whole, oh, you have to defend it or you're a paper champion. Once you win that belt, you are officially a UFC champion all through history. Again, contact and not all champions are created equal, but he's in there. He's in the books. And, and it is a, a very, very lovely thing to see. What do you think, Casey? I mean, you're a guy that's getting ready to make his amateur MMA debut. You're you're working hard. You're waking up early, mm-hmm. pedal to the metal, getting ready to to, to step in that cage in a, in a couple of months and to see what Glover Teixeira has done on the five and five after ten fights. He was he got absolutely deaded by Carl Roberson at the Barclay Center two years ago in 2019. Mm-hmm. The man has come back. And now he's a world champion. This is, I mean, this is unbelievable. It's great. Um, I see nothing negative about this at all. This is uh, just a 
it just shows you, man. Like, this is just hard work. Keep doing it. Keep winning. Keep, I mean, you saw Glover. Glover's like, this is, this sucks. Like, training, waking up every morning, your body's breaking down. You just got to, your whole life is just dedicated to this, dedicated to this. And he did it the right way, I guess. He didn't, he didn't have to trash talk. He didn't have to. I don't know, get out of his, he didn't have to not be himself. He was always Glover to share. He didn't have to fake it to, to get that title shot. And, you know, if John Jones doesn't retire from the 205 division, maybe this never happens. I don't know. But the way things worked out, it's a great story. And um, I hope people don't try to twist this into a negative thing. You know, it's like, oh, an old guy won it. Who, is he going to win 10 fights like John Jones? I don't care. If he loses his next fight to Yuri, if he loses his next fight to whoever, I don't care. Glover Teixeira came back from a, a, a dominant title loss to John Jones a few years back, came back and won the damn belt. Freaking awesome. What a story. What a story. I love it. Glover Teixeira rules, and every MMA fan should be happy. Yeah, I, I meant, what I meant to say was he oh. almost was almost colded by Carl Roberson. He didn't get colded because he came oh, back yeah. and won that fight, but he was in bad. He was in big, huge trouble in that fight. But I mean, th- to go from there to where he's at right now, still just absolutely incredible. Apologies I, for the uh, for the mess up there. You know, it's just, but, uh, it's just an incredible story. It's an incredible story, and I think uh, I think maybe it was Nolan King or another or a reporter, you know, suggested is Glover to share kind of the greatest unlikely. 205 champion or one of the greatest UFC, most unlikely two champions in the UFC history. Actually, I think it's Jan. I think Jan is actually still, I think Jan was still even a more unlikely champion because Glover was always an elite 205er. Jan was kind of on the brink of getting cut, I think, multiple times. So um, regardless, and I want there's no, there's no use really ranking who's the, the most unlikely champion. Glover did it. He did it dominantly. Um, I picked Glover to win because clearly I know what I'm talking about because <laughs> and um, yeah, it was just super, man. It's like, I'm just, it just looks like a good dude. And, and it's, this is, this is gonna, it's going to be a big shock when we go to next week because next week's main event is not going to be as far as the buildup would not have the same energy and that this week had. Yes. I don't think Kamara Usman will be handing, Colby Covington a beer to put in his fridge for after the fight at UFC 268 but that's a conversation for another time things are probably it's probably gonna be an ugly build to to MSG for being honest but they're selling pay-per-views and that's that's what sells pay-per-views but AK I want to go back to you because here's what I continued to see on Twitter after the moment let's praise Glover Teixeira for getting to the top of the mountain but what he should do is he should take that title on the top of the mountain and just leave it there and crawl back down because I don't want to see him fight Yuri Prohashka. I don't want to see him fight some of these young bucks. I've seen this time and time again since Glover won the title. Just retire. Don't fight Yuri. Yuri will crush you and you won't be the champion anymore. I, I think he's got a shot against Yuri. Like, Yuri is a dangerous, scary dude. But Glover is a seasoned veteran. He did he did the damn thing tonight against Jan Bohovic. Do you – like, were you on – the side that I'm on where it's just like, dude, let the fight play out. Or are you kind of hoping that Glover won the title, rode off into the sunset as a world champion, something that a lot of people didn't think he would do in his career? I mean, as a fan, selfishly, I, I wanted I want to see him continue fighting. I mean, there, there's also that part of me that's he's been fighting for a long time. He's taken a lot of damage. I want to see 
retire all his faculties and tax and to be able to play with his children and all that. But uh, as a but as a you know the the the, the fight fan part. I want to see him keep fighting, and, and I agree with what you're saying uh, about the Prohashka thing. Like, what should he like not want to go out that way? First of all, he's he's the kind of guy he'll want to go out on his shield. You know, it, it's cool to go out on a high. I'm sure. If, I'm sure if t- tomorrow he he changes his mind and decides, you know what, I don't want to fight again. I'm sure he'll be very fine with that decision. But at the same time, uh, I'm sure the current thinking he has now, where he's like, no, I, I want to fight. I want to defend this title. I'm the champion now. Uh, I, I'm sure that high. He won't regret it. He won't regret it later, no matter what happens in the next fight. And the thing with Yuri is, uh, of course, I bet Yuri, boy, I bet he'll be probably by the time fight night rolls around, like a maybe a three to one favorite, maybe to, my, minus two fifty at worst. But if you thought, I, I'm sure a lot of people would have thought that uh, Blahovich would have been a good challenge for him. I don't think anyone would assume he would have killed Jan, right? They might have picked yeah. him to, to beat Jan, but I don't think they would have thought it was a blowout. So if you think that. I know matchups matter, but if you think that Jan would have had a chance, well, Glover just beat him. So why can't Glover have a chance uh, to beat Yuri Prohoshka? So I'm very much looking forward to that fight. I'm sure Glover is too. And uh, again, whatever happens, you know, you you can't take away Glover winning the title. You're not taking away Matt Serra winning the title. You're not taking away Forrest Griffin winning the title. doesn't matter what happened next. Uh, This is how this is. These are great moments uh, in MMA and and, and they're not they're not soiled by what happens after. Casey, did you see when Glover Teixeira was it was brought up about Yuri Prohashka. They showed Yuri in the crowd and Glover finally found him. He goes, where is he at? Come down here. And he sees him and he's like, oh yes, you and me, we're going to fight. And Yuri Prohashka's like, yeah, let's do it. And he goes, yes, in May, we'll fight in May. And the drop on his face. Yeah. Like, oh, no. <laughs> May, I got to wait seven months to fight this guy. I thought that was brilliant gamesmanship by Glover to share. Yes, I know you want to take some time off, but I think he had this planned. I think that was a 42-year-old move being like, this guy wants to fight. He wants to fight as soon as possible. I'm going to make him wait over a half a year before he has to fight me again. Now he has a decision to make. Do I want to just do I want to wait another seven months to fight for a world title? Or do I want to risk it all and fight Jan or fight... Ankaliyev, or, or fight Rackage, yeah, or fight somebody like that. So I thought brilliant strategy on Glover's part. Just beautiful. What did you think of the whole thing? I, when I heard the word May, I was bummed. I was like, oh no, because it's, well, it's already it's been not. about. It's already been over. I think it's been <laughs> six months or so since Yuri fought. Right? It's. It feels like it's been May. Right. Is it May or yeah, March? I'll call that six Bray months. Fight. Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while. So it's gonna be over. It could be up to like nine, nine, ten months before Yuri fights again before his, between his last fight and now. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hope the fight happens. I want it to be sooner. I hope, I hope the UFC can push some more money toward Glover Teixeira and make that fight sooner. I'm hoping sometime, you know, February, you know, maybe the Super Bowl weekend. That would be cool. Um, yeah, I mean, if Yuri wants it. Uh, if Yuri wants to fight again, that's risky. Um, it's yeah, it's just a, it's really just a financial decision for him, I would think. Um, I hope it's sooner. I, I don't want to wait till May. That would suck because just a lot of things can happen. And Glover's gonna be older. I mean, I mean, he'll be older. It's just like he just like he's he'll, boy, he'll be forty two and a half. Forty two and a half. I mean, yeah. I I I don't. I don't. Now that Glover's winning all his fights, everything he says seems like a genius move. I guess <laughs> those things. When you're losing fights, it's just like, oh, you're just talking. Now that he wins, it's like, oh, that was a good move. That was smart. <laughs> I think that was planned. I think it was planned a little bit. I, I, I think part of it's true, anyways. But 
just the way he presented it mm-hmm. in Yuri's face, it was just so picture perfect. But how many so times well have we done. heard fighters kind of say, oh, I'll fight in six months, but the UFC's like, we want you to fight, you know, two weeks from now. Well, maybe not champions, but, you know, they want to fight a little sooner. And I don't know if Glover has the maybe, I don't know if he has the pull with the UFC to kind of stretch it out that long, but um, hopefully we see him sooner. That's all. We'll see what happens. Great win. Jan Blachowicz, of course, AK. Champions mentality. Went to the press Wonderful. conference. Mm-hmm. Answered Wonderful. all the questions. Could tell he didn't really want to be there, but he still went there. He faced the music. It doesn't get much better than that. Where, where does where does he go from here? Because I think I think we're both in agreement. The immediate rematch thing is just not going to happen. Even after beating Israel Adesanya, it's just not going to happen. Yuri's next. Go back to the drawing board. You know what, what do we do? And, and what did you make of Jan? His performance? Did he seem a little off? I know that was a big narrative heading out, but just the way he's handled it all in defeat. Yeah, I mean, I think he was a little off, but I don't know if he's going to pin it on anything specific. We always talk about how fighters have one of the most difficult jobs because they fight three or four times a year max. Uh, If it's not your day, it's not your day. And uh, if it's not your day in a big title fight, it's not your day. This isn't like other pro sports, like baseball. You play 162 times a year. You could have four bad games in a row, and you're like, oh, well, guess what? I have 20 games coming up in the next month. I'll be fine. I can sort it out. MMA, you don't get that chance. If you're even off a little bit, uh, and this this isn't taking away from anything that, that Glover did. You know, it's again every title fight in history. I'm sure the loser could say, "I wasn't at my best. I wasn't at my best." So the winner can't control that. It's a fine quality win for Glover to share. He beat the best light heavyweight in the world. Um, so yeah, I don't know if anything was off with Jan or because, like you said, he just didn't feel like himself. And who knows what it was? He's it could be time zone. He's you know just I, I got the style of opponent. It could be something he ate this morning. It could have been it could have been something around with a weight cut. You don't know. And it could be all those things combined. And, and and he'll probably never know exactly what it was. You know, there's probably like isolate a few things. He'll never know why. Why did I fight so poorly? Why did I go down in the second round? Why why did I tap? Why was the choke getting so so quick that I had to tap within seconds of it being put in? There's just, there's just no way to know. But. As for what's next for him, uh, kind of to follow up on what you guys just said, if I'm him, I'm trying to get in soon. He does sound like he wants to take some time off, and he deserves it. I understand that. Again, he's, he's an older fighter too. But if he wants to really undercut Yuri, if this, this May thing is true, get back in there. He should fight a Rakic or fight an Ankalaev. He gets a big finish or, or impressive win against one of those guys. Then he calls for the rematch. Then if you're Yuri, you're really sweating. Then you're like, oh, crap, Like I have to fight. That's why I was going to say when you guys were asking, what should Yuri do next? He also should fight. Uh, it, it, it sucks. He was an alternate for this fight. That should earn him an automatic title shot. But if he can't wait until next May, and he probably shouldn't, I don't think the division is going to stop moving. So someone could easily take his spot. And then if someone gets injured, gosh, it delays it even further. So, uh, yeah, everyone's got to stay busy. That's pretty much my take on it. There's no there's no waiting till next May if, if uh, that's what Clover is planning to do. 205 is interesting. It's as interesting as it's been in a long time. It is. It's Compared to the other divisions, it's not that interesting, but it's still very – it's interesting as it's been in a long time. Casey's rolling his eyes, yeah, but you I, know what I mean. By I know, that. I like know, 205 has not been interesting in a long, long time. And now it is. And uh, I, think, I, I think it is now. I, I, I'm, I'm big into belts changing. I, I, I'm, I know everyone – People complain when there's a dominant champion. People complain when there's not, like, when the, when the championship <laughs> rotates all the time. They kind of complain all the time about it. Um, yeah. I like the 205 division now. I think it's got old guys and young guys. I, that's why, I like, you know, you got, you got the, the up-and-comers, you know, the Prohaskas, the Rackhitches, and you got the, the, the oldest dudes with Glover to share at the top. That's awesome. It's a great story. But why? what is this thing about 
uh, Jan looking bad to me. I, maybe I'm Mr. Positive today. I thought maybe maybe because I thought Glover was going to win. I was kind of I was kind of pretty confident in that maybe I thought Glover just looked like himself. And I thought he was always the better fighter than Jan. Um, do you think do you really think Jan was just had had like an off night and, you know, he wins that fight nine out of ten times type of thing? Or is it just no, you, know, I, you lose? I, I would, you lose. I wouldn't say, no, no, I wouldn't say that at all. I just say he didn't look good. He didn't. He didn't look good. He didn't look good. Um, and again, that's probably because of Glover, the person that's, across that's the cage. Glover's, yeah, yeah. That's to Glover's credit, not mm-hmm. not not because of of just because of uh, whatever uh, you know. Jan couldn't perform. He didn't look good tonight. But again, like I said, you can make excuses for any fight, and and uh, that's not what I'm doing here for uh, for Jan Blachowicz. And and I don't think he wants to either. He just says he wasn't himself. He didn't say why. He didn't say oh I would have beaten I would have beaten Glover on any other day. He didn't say anything like that at the post fight press conference. Because again, it, we we don't all that matters. They fought tonight. Glover won, and and if they never fight again, that's that's how it's always going to be. The takedown was huge. Takedown was absolutely massive in, in the first mm-hmm. round. And the, the first round takedown. Yeah, yeah just yeah. the grime. Yeah, the grueling, grimy, the can openers and the shoving the floor. Yeah, we had that head. Yeah, he pulled, pulled the head like, open. That was. Yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I, I know. You know what? I I kind of um I kind of poo poo sometimes the commentary, um for the UFC. But I thought tonight, I thought Felder and DC and um Anik did just a great job the whole night with yeah, something. Yeah, tonight but I, there, there wasn't one moment tonight where I was going, oh boy. I thought tonight they nailed it, and um I thought. Uh, maybe it was DC that said when, like when he got that takedown, he was just like, that is big. That is a big deal when he got that takedown within the first, whatever, 30 seconds of the fight or something like that. And uh, I thought those guys did a, a great job tonight with all those fights. So um, I want to applaud that. Yeah, great, great job by the commentary team. Uh, I think DC might have had a little extra juice with some of the uh, Habib associations. Oh, yeah, well. so, uh, Habib's buddies and teammates. Uh, so he was a little more invested for like half the fights on the card. Yeah. Uh, some people don't like that. Some people are like, uh, what? like, should he even be commenting on these fights when he's like, t- he is trained with a lot of these guys. He's friends with a lot of these guys. I didn't mind it tonight. I'm not saying it's not an issue. Uh, certainly I could see why people wouldn't want a commentator to, uh, to have that potential bias. But I think, as you said, Casey, tonight, commentary was just really good yeah, good analysis is good yeah 14 fight card long fight card the energy was great the, yeah, the analysis was great so good. well well done cormier felder uh and excellence oh and, and of course uh uh, uh uh what's his name i'm sorry Jim, uh, uh, dean thomas the, the, oh no. no i'm sorry our, he was doing the the, the sideline reporting today our british uh, jim what's his john name? Uh, john, 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 john yeah john gooden i'm sorry his name is john gooden was excellent as well today <laughs> No, 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 We missed him so much. I forgot his name. That's uh, by the way, missed. just, just real quick before we move on from the commentary, you mentioned DC He's a little animated for his guys. Did you know that Paul Felder had a teammate on this card? Did you even realize Who? it? Andre Petrosky. Oh, and you Philly didn't boys. know it, did you? Because Paul Felder does such a great job of ignoring it. Like you <laughs> had no idea. If I didn't tell you, you wouldn't even have known just the way he called it. Such a difference. When Felder calls his teammates fights and when DC calls his teammates fights. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I, if, if one of my teammates fought and I'm on, and I'm on color commentary, I don't know how I would be. I'd probably, I'd probably favor him a little bit more. I, I'm with DC in, in a lot of ways, but Felder just such, yeah. does such a great job of keeping that out. If I was doing if I was doing commentary on Casey's fight, upcoming fight, I'd be shouting like – I'd be the, the rip his <laughs> D off guy. You know, rip his D, rip off his D. Casey, why aren't you ripping off his twist, D more? Twist. Twist it. So and I, so, I, I I like I said, I applaud them because I would be, I would not be able to contain myself. 
Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Because we're not gonna, yeah. because we're not gonna really talk about it. Can we talk about um, uh, what was the guy's name? Petroski, Petroski. How do you say his name? Jay Petroski. Petroski's yeah. opponent. Uh, who? Uh, yes. Who? Uh, who Yaozong. Three and three. Well, you, you, I saw. I saw your tweet. Can you? Can you? Can you, um, can you kind of break down his UFC yes. notoriety He's, now? I his believe. Info- I, oh, I, I should credit this person on Twitter. So I'm sorry. There's a Twitter user who I'll, I'll credit in a second uh, who reminded me. So uh, one of two fighters. I was asking if he was the first. But there's one of two fighters to start off 0-3 in the UFC at three different weight classes. He started as a heavyweight, then fought at light heavyweight, and then that was like three years ago and came back, completely changed the middleweight uh, and lost again. So 0-3. The other, Jerome Rivera, who fought at uh, bantamweight, then uh, flyweight, then featherweight, so that was a weird one. So, uh, and also, and he went. He started off 0 three and actually went 0 four before being released. So, uh, kind of a weird historical footnote. And uh, but at least Jerome Rivera had a better record before joining the UFC. Uh, Hu Yazong, after that loss, is now three and three as a professional. And I, oh my god, hmm. I'm like I can't believe <laughs> I, I picked him to win this fight too. He's like I was like ah, I don't know whatever, man. Like looking at the three guys he beat to get into UFC 0 one. Debut and two and three. Why? Why was this guy in the UFC? Well, I know why, but I think he was a. I believe he was a product of yeah the the Shanghai Performance uh, Center. So they must be thinking they must have thought that there was really you know let's let's. Something, but I mean they gave right. him some really. Petrovsky's a super tough opponent. If you're trying to build a guy up, I don't know why you'd put him with Andre Petrovsky. That was a very strange choice. <laughs> okay, I don't know. I don't know. Man. Yes, there you go. And Jerome Rivera at least got a win on the Contender yeah, Series. Yeah. So justified all right so that was the main event ak we got it we got ourselves a classic i always call the bantamweight division the the intercontinental the Mm -hmm. bantamweight title the intercontinental title interim intercontinental title was on the line and this fight delivered piotr jan versus Corey sanhagen in the end 49 46 all three judges scored it for piotr jan i also scored a 49 46 but again and i tweeted this out the scorecards are not indicative of how close this fight actually was because if you look at the actual stats, some of the rounds favor Corey Sanhagen, but it just depends on how you score rounds. Damage is always the number one priority. That's something we've all had to sort of learn and live with. That's kind of the universal judging at this point. Damage trumps all, and I felt that Piotr Jan landed the more damaging strikes in rounds two, three, four, and five, and Sanhagen won the first. That's how I scored it. How did you score it? And just your thoughts on such 
a tremendous, tremendous matchup for the interim Bantamweight title. Uh, yes, first shout outs to at Wrestle Jamia on uh, Twitter for the Jerome Rivera tidbit. But that uh, was one of the best fights of the year, indisputably. Uh, again, I'll have to look back at in my mind. I'm thinking it's the best fight of the year because I just watched it. Um, it, it. It was we thought it was going to be a spectacular striking battle. Uh, it was exactly that. Corey Sanhagen winning the first round only made it more intriguing. I think a lot of us knew that uh, Jan ha- has dropped, uh, you know, the opening round, like one of the opening rounds before. Uh, Jose Aldo, he uh, there was a there was a definitely moments in that fight early on when Aldo was winning. But Jan has that gift of boy. Once he gets those lasers locked in, you can see his his gears just change. And man, by the like by the third or fourth round, he was countering everything, every every uh, or- unorthodox movement. That Corey Sanhagen tried to make, he would run into a, a, a yawn strike. It was unbelievable. Like it's just, it's just you'd have to. I think you'd really have to slow it down to appreciate it. But even in real time, I think everyone watching was having so much fun, um, and that's what made it a great fight. I had it forty nine forty six for yawn, but the second round, uh, very close, and uh, even even the third round, I would I would give it comfortable to yawn, but it wasn't like he blew uh, Sanhagen away in the third round. It was it was competitive. So yeah, definitely people are going to look at the 49-46 and say, oh, why didn't the judges you know give one more round to Corey? But three and four were the real runaway rounds for Jan, uh, and then uh, two was close, one Sanhagen won. So it was a good competitive fight. The, sc- the scores don't, you know, the judges were great. The judges did, a, I think they scored it perfectly, and I hope, I don't think they should be criticized for, we're loving everybody tonight. Commentary team, judges, every referee on the card. I mean, I don't think we're, I don't think we're going to mention any referees in the card who did a bad job. Uh, so just top to bottom, good stuff. But yeah, uh, one of the best fights of the year. And uh, uh, we'll talk about it more in the rankings later this, this week. But boy, uh, if there was any question from uh, Jim Oaks like me that uh, Piotr Jan was the number one bantamweight in the world, pretty sure he's the number one bantamweight in the world. <laughs> yes. Your thoughts, Casey. I mean, Catch as catch can, kind of a 135-pound fight. This is everything we hoped it would be and more, for being honest. Jan gets it done. Seems like we're going to get Sterling Jan, too, for the undisputed title. Just a great fight. Your thoughts overall? Um, I think I think we're all kind of in agreement. It's just a super good fight. Just just A-level fighters fighting at their best. That's all. Um, just in the best, in the, and to me, the best weight division in all mixed martial arts. Um, I was super excited about this fight. I was super excited when it was booked. And the fight absolutely delivered. Ooh, got to ban someone on the comment. You are banned. Oh, my goodness. You are gone, sir. Um, oh, boy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it was just, just a great fight, man. Um, Peter Yan exceeded my expectations tonight. He... Um, he had I know he doesn't fight like Anderson Silva, but he has that thing where he will kind of almost give a round away because he is studying you and breaking you down and he gets stronger and he doesn't get stronger throughout the fight. He figures you out and all your tricks and little moves and strategies you had planned through training camp by, you know, eight minutes into the fight. He's like, all right, I know what you're doing. And then he takes over and. It was it was just he's just an exciting fighter. Just and he's so tough, he covers up so well defensively. He just just incredibly defensively, and um, yeah. And when he when he throws when he throws he hits hard and he wants to hurt you. And um, everything Santa Hagen gave him, he ate it and then gave it back harder. And um, yeah, it was just great fight. Just I'm just I just get so excited when you have you have a a fight you really want to see between the best fighters in the world and actually lives up to the expectations. Like like. As 
as as great as Glover winning, I wish it was a more competitive fight, just because you know you want to see that. So, but we got that in this fight, in the bantamweight fight, so it was super duper. But I would like to talk about the score a bit. I'm going to be a bit of a rogue journalist, and if I was in, if this was in Pride, no doubt Peter Yan was a better fighter. But if we go round by round, which I hate doing, I think that's stupid. I actually scored it for Corey Sanhagen, and. I yeah I, and if we go by statistics, which I will bring up here, where's my little thing? I don't know how well you can guys read that. Um, I did score mm-hmm. round one, three, and five. Was it run th- round three? Maybe two. Not not three. Three and four. Three and four were the most. Oh, three and four I was, think, was, yeah, was yeah. yeah yeah I did yeah I think, oh, I, yeah, I think it was two two and five. Round one's two and five. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah I think those could have gone to Corey with the different judges. Uh, statistically, he had he had more he landed more significant strikes, more total strikes in both those rounds. So if it wouldn't have gone to Corey, I I, I, w- I wasn't going to be shocked. Um, but uh, I just think it's interesting. Um, I think um, even the commentators did point out when that head kick landed in the fifth round. To me, I thought that was the crowd really helped push Jan. It made that cr- it made that kick la- look a lot harder because that kick was off foot. That's why when it landed, it made the big slap sound, and that's why Corey yeah. was all like, that was nothing. I was just at the top of the foot. That's kind of, For a high-level fighter, that's nothing. But it did make a lot of noise. The crowd reacted as if it was like a giant head kick, and I get it. That's just, you know, that's and judges react on that. But um, I do think Jan was the better fighter, and I have no issue with the decision because I respect the pride scoring system with judges the whole fight, and Jan was the better. He did the more damage as a whole. His rounds yeah, he yeah. won were bigger and more dominant. But but even even without the pride scoring system, I think in the rounds where where Corey landed more, Jan was still landing the heavier shots. I understand. So that, that's I understand. The, yeah. and, and that's the first criteria. So significant stats can be very deceptive because significant mm-hmm. stats are not all created equal, right? Like someone could land two haymakers like that just rock their opponent in a in a round, and let's say the other guy ran, lands like ten like pitter patter leg kicks. It's going to look like two significant strikes versus ten significant strikes in a fight. If you and, want to and part of fighting, and this round, is what Peter right? Jan's really good at is. It, Oh, sorry. When part of you went out for a bit. Part of fighting, which Peter Yan is good at, when he does get hit, he doesn't show it. He doesn't like he get hit hard. Yes. He doesn't. He doesn't go. He doesn't back up or go like, whoa, oh my, let me let me restart. He gets hit hard and just kind of walks right through it. So for the judges, it might be an incredibly damaging strike, but they will never know that. And that's that's one that's one thing that makes Peter Yan a championship. Just one of the one a future all time great bantamweight is because when he gets hit, those big shots hit him, he just walks right through them like it was nothing. So um, yeah. Way to, way to work the judges, that, which is part of the game. I'm, I'm saying work the judges like it's a bad thing, but that is part of the game is um, you get hit hard. It doesn't hurt. You just play it off. And um, I think even the commentators mentioned that. Um, but one of the one of the unfortunate things for um, Corey is that since he's so light-skinned, everything that touches him kind of shows up. It kind of shows up welts and everything. So it's yeah. just uh, unfortunately it's a bad look for fighters, but that's you, you know you fight with the hand you're dealt with. By the way, Casey, someone is saying you jinxed my boy. Didn't you pick Glover on the? Wait, you, I know you changed. I know you picked Glover. I picked Glover uh, with us. You picked you picked Glover and on the preview show, right? Yeah, yeah, I picked Glover and on the pre-fight. Okay, you did pick Glover. I've, okay. I've been someone, picking Glover someone, all week. Yeah, I've been picking Glover and, that's and right, Corey that's all right, week. Right. Yeah. We, you did the whole. You did the whole. I've I've picked against Jan every time, and, yeah. and I'm doing and finally, it again. Finally, okay, yeah, yeah, finally, yeah, finally, came through. I broke the curse. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And just think, just think, we have to look forward to at one thirty-five right now. We got. Rob Font, Jose Aldo coming up December 4th. That's a big one, especially if Rob Font wins. We got 
Jan Sterling two, which I'm hoping happens like in February. I think that if you're going to do Adesanya Whitaker two, Sterling Jan two on that card would be a tremendous co-main event. Then we got TJ Dillashaw who will face the winner of that. And then, I mean, it's just, it's just the types of matchups that are in store for us. It's just unbelievable. And there's still so many, like we got guys like Marab. We got, (laughs) So many 35ers, like one through 30 that are all really good, that are climbing the ranks. It's just very exciting time to be a fan of the intercontinental bantamweight division. The most fun division in the sport right now. I'm not saying it's like the best, but is the deepest. No doubt about it. No, it not, and yeah, worldwide across all promotions. One, Ryzen, uh, Bellator, UFC, obviously. Um, just so many awesome awesome 135ers when did this happen when did this happen like all of a sudden i swore within the last year and a half it's like oh my god 35 is the division i it just took a little time and it became the yeah the thickest division is it's, it's awesome so so good uh so great great wins there for for both those gentlemen islam makachev great win he is on Ooh. to something big. If you throw him into a title fight, I'm not going to complain. I don't think he's going to get a title fight. People are giving me crap about it, saying, how dare you dismiss Islam Makachev and just say he's definitely not going to get a title shot. Crazy things are going to have to happen for Islam to get into a title fight. There's going to have to be an injury, and like everything's going to have to fall into place perfectly for Islam to fall into a title shot for his next fight. There are a lot of options for him. He just needs one win inside the top five, and he's in. One win. You beat Benil Dariush, you beat Gaethje, or you beat Chandler, or you beat the loser Poirier Oliveira. You beat any one of those guys, and it's a guarantee. No one's going to question it. You have done everything possible to get a title shot. And he could very well be the best 155-pounder in the world. Mm-hmm. If you told me that, I'm not going to argue with you. But AK, just looking at that performance, Dan Hooker, who just fought not long ago, is a gamer, was the biggest underdog on the card. I think he was ranked number six or seven heading into this fight. After that performance, are you, like, does Islam just jump everybody else? Like, if you, would you just throw him into a title fight at this point, no matter what happens in these big fifty-five fights coming up? Like, has he has yeah. he earned that, or does he need one win? Does he need one top five win because he does not have that right now? Ideally, he should, but like I think uh, again, I've I've been saying it all week that I, I think this, and and he said again, I'm probably just playing off of what, what Islam said, but. He's right. If I think if if Chandler wins and Oliveira wins, I don't think they run that rematch back right away. I don't think that they make him fight Gaethje or Dariush. If any, if not if not only because I don't think he needs to, but also same management, right? I think uh, the management of those guys would rather that to keep them all alive rather than have because if Dariush just doesn't fight, he's probably still in line for Talisha or, or can get can, can get a different opponent somewhere down the road that's not as tough as Islam to keep his title fight hopes alive. Gave G, even if he loses to Chandler, he's such a fan favorite. He's no more. He's never more than one win away from fighting for the title. People would love to see him fight uh, Charles Oliveira. So again, you don't want him fighting Islam. So that's two guys who I don't think, if 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 their shared management is doing the right thing, is going to make them face one another. I know that sucks. I'd love to see all these guys fight each other, but I think we know how the game works. I think it's unless it's it is for the title itself, they're going to avoid matching matching their aces up. So so it's just not, I, I just don't think it's going to happen. So ideally. Uh, he he ha- the Chandler wins, Oliveira wins, and I think Makachev slides right in there. I don't think it's as crazy, and I don't think he needs the perfect circumstances. I just think he needs a couple of the fights to go that way. Um, that said, if Skaithji wins, then it, then I think Makachev definitely has to fight someone else. Probably again, probably not Darius. They probably keep them apart, 
but yes, one more win. Gaethje is getting the Tala shot, obviously, if he beats uh, if he beats Chandler. If I'm Islam, I'm getting on that December card. If there's a spot open, get on there. Call out Dariush. I think Dariush said he wanted to get in before the end of the year after becoming a dad. Fight that fight. Dariush is ranked number three in the division right now. Beat him. It's a no-brainer. No matter what happens in that title fight, you're next in line. It, it, and honestly, no matter what happens in Gaethje Chandler, like if he goes in there and it just starches Dariush and stops him in the first round, you give him the title fight over Gaethje. You just do at that point. There you go. He's got. I, I would like to see him get a top five win, though. I would like to see one top five win, and that's a no-brainer. Because if you look at Dariush's resume – I mean, they're pretty close. They beat a lot of the same guys. And the, the only real outlier between the two is Dariush steamrolled Tony Ferguson, who was ranked higher than Dan Hooker when they fought. And then Islam beat Dan Hooker, who took the fight on short notice. Let me ask you this, Casey. If Islam did this to RDA, would it have more impact? Um, I think it's the same, honestly. Uh, I, think, I think the dominant... If if Islam would have had a say a three round decision victory over um, Hooker, maybe the impact isn't the same as having a three round decision victory over RDA. But the fact that he just, just, I mean, the way he rolled through Dan Hooker was just, I mean, for Dan Hooker that just sucks. That's that's just, I mean, you, you've got heard a story like you know he doesn't really know when he's coming back to New Zealand because of the way the quarantine flights work and everything. And he took a big, he took a big gamble, um, more of his personal life, you know, and spending time with his, uh, being with his family. But you know, this was a big opportunity, and it, you know, unfortunately, it failed miserably. And for Dan Hooker, you know, two big, t- two big pay per view opportunities and pro- high profile fights, failed miserably for him. Um, if he does, but if Hooker, I'm sorry, if Islam does this to RDA, I, I, I don't, I think it's the same, honestly. Um, where, where is RDA? Is he injured? Injured, or is he out for a while? I mean, can they still rebook that fight? Is that fight? Does he need to beat RDA to get the title fight? I mean, rather than Dariush? No, I, I think he's way beyond RDA. Yeah, me too. At this me point. too. That, that's why I don't think the RDA Hooker thing really matters because if you want to say, oh, he beat Hooker, okay, but he still got beat RDA. But I think we're kind of over that. So I feel, yeah, yeah I just feel it's old news now. I can I, honestly, honestly, I forgot. It was, I forgot RDA was the original opponent because. Islam's just complete domination. Like Hooker kind of had, you know, 20 years to prepare for this fight. Well, it wouldn't last maybe 10 seconds longer. I don't know. Of course, Dan Hooker, absolute legend, on Twitter posted a gif of Woody <laughs> Harrelson crying and then taking like $100 bills and drying his tears. Like, just the way you should handle it. This is a very, this, I didn't think it was that risky for him. This is low risk, big reward. He goes in there, his stock rises no matter what. Him just walking into that octagon tonight to fight this guy on short notice was a win in everybody's eyes. Dan Hooker's a legend, win or lose. If he got submitted in 12 seconds, it wouldn't have made any difference in the way people view Dan Hooker. So I, good stuff from Islam. Yeah, I mean, I want to be more positive and think that way, but I just I don't, I just don't think that's going to be true a few a few months from now. Um, I just don't think people will remember the short notice part, the, the part that you filled in. It's just you lost, you lose the big fights. And I, I, I think of that mo- that moment when the pr- uh, someone, a reporter asked Dan Hooker, like, are you the new Donald Cerrone? He was kind of like, uh, without being rude, he's like, no, I'm Dan Hooker. You know, I'm not – because Donald <laughs> Cerrone kind of became known as this guy that loses the big fight. And I don't think Hooker – Hooker is not that guy, but – I mean, if he loses again in another big, you know, if he works his way back and loses another big fight, you know, that's a spot he doesn't want to be in. And we we love Dan Hooker, but like I hope I, 
you know, I don't want him to kind of be this high level gatekeeper. And um, unfortunately, he might be, you know, because there has to be one. Yeah. Tough can, can we look at some of the some of the killers? He is. So he just. Oh, I know. I know. His, his resume is insane. Uh, yeah. Michael Chandler, obviously, Dustin Poirier, Paul Felder, who he beat, Ali Aquinta, who he beat. Edson Boboza, he lost to Gilbert Burns at lightweight. Jesus yeah. Murphy, uh, Jim Miller. So, that, and then and that's not everyone, but that's like his some of his last like eight opponents. And ever since COVID hit, like, I, I, and now, now if anyone says I'm making excuses, I am 100% making excuses now. I have no idea how Hooker has been doing all this traveling, being in quarantine, dealing with the New Zealand. You know, to the point where City Kickboxing, uh, the City Kickboxing Gym, is talking about moving out of New Zealand. So they've had restrictions of how uh, how they're able to train in their own friggin' gym. Um, the, the the visa issues he had ahead of the hack press fight, which he won. Mm-hmm. I bet if he he himself, he probably hasn't even thought about it. When he looks back on the last like 18 months or ever since COVID started about like his training routine, I, I, I'd be surprised if he had one. He, he is – the the Dan Hooker has been facing – every fighter faces adversity, but I'm, Dan Hooker's definitely has faced some unique adversity uh, in the last 18 months. It's just completely crazy. He took the number one lightweight in the world, according to the rankings that matter in the sport, to the limit <laughs> in one of the best fights of the year last year in an empty UFC apex. That fight was ridiculous. Dan Hooker took Dustin Poirier to the absolute limit. But you know what sucks Kudos about that? That was, great for, that was great for us entertainment-wise, but Dan Hooker is still a human. He still is a body, and he is, is he that same fighter? Can, can, can that same Dan Hooker... Can he take Dustin Poirier to the limit today? Well, not literally today, but, you know, is like, is he still – or, like, you know, when we think of, like, Carlos Condit versus Robbie Lawler, when, you, when we see these 25-minute wars, there is a price to pay. And I'm – I hope – I'm being positive. I hope there's – I hope there isn't long-term effects on Dan Hooker, you know, from those those insane fights. The Felder fight, too. You know, luckily this fight – is luckily too. Islam took it down and it wasn't like – it, it wasn't what I was fearing. It wasn't, you know, 15 minutes of him just, you know, getting little shots and just, you know, little concussions for 15 minutes. Luckily, he came out of this fight just with, um, what did he get choked? What was it? Arm? What? No, he don't, I was going to say, if, if it was up to him, he would have had his arm uh, or his oh, shoulder yeah, dislocated. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he More. tapped. I don't think he tapped or verbally tapped. I think the referee the ref saw that he was him. dead. Yeah, the referee saw he was dead to rights and was like, yes, I could let him continue torquing your arm another few degrees, but why? Why? So yeah. I think Dan Hooker's like was maybe mad in the moment. I don't think he's that. Like I said, I don't think he's that mad. Now. Oh, was was that? Oh yeah, was that the whole Dan Hooker being? He did seem upset. upset. I like, wasn't sure like what I didn't that was submit. About. But he wasn't like super upset. I I think he also knew like man, I was screwed. Oh, he like, was. I, I wish he I was definitely screwed. Like, yeah. I, like I think he I think he was kind of like man, I wish like I'd been able to like you know given a couple more seconds and like been been allowed to tap out or to really submit. But his hand was caught under his his other hand was caught under his body, so he could not tap out. Mm-hmm. It would have had to have been a verbal submission, and I don't think he's ever going to say I quit. So that arm was just gonna snap. Uh, so in addition to all the other things, for the worst thing. Oh, that it was. They, they had a camera angle on it. I was just like, yeah, right on. Tap, tap, referee tap. was like not in position at all. He was like yeah. behind it, couldn't see the other hand. I was like, oh no, please stop this. And luckily the ref yeah. stopped it. I was like, oh, he's not something. Really yeah. tap. He oh yeah, you know, I, sorry, I also forgot. But, sorry, talking about damage. I forgot about the Barboza fight. How much damage uh, oh. Hooker has taken to his body in, these, in, these, in these fights? So. Um, you know, Mr. Dan Hooker, yeah, wipe the wipe with the money, take some time off, go home, rest, and let's. I I know it's a fight game, but man, I just want Dan Hooker to fight a couple fight a couple of gentlemen outside of the top ten, you know, top fifteen. And um, Casey, 
I know it doesn't Casey, work that way. Be, I want to fight the be best. A, don't I be a soy boy. I know. Don't be a soy boy. I thought now that you were a real <laughs> MMA fighter, your soy boy tendencies would have been would have been beaten out of you. And yet here you are. Oh, I want the fight. Oh, hey, trauma. Oh, I care about. I care about oh, their lives the, outside of the cage. Oh. I want them to be properly paid. Oh, the, the Zaleski Saint Saint Denis fight should have been stopped. Oh no, that referee did a terrible job. Come on, man. Come on, this is MMA, man. God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry. Guilty. Guilty. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S., and visit bellator.com slash watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Bay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's, let's continue on. There's a couple th- couple other things I want to talk about before we go to the peeps. Uh, I want to run. Oh, I, I do want to shout out all the all the winners. Uh, Ulan Bekoff, split decision. That was a fun fight with Alan Nascimento. Andre Petrovsky, nice win. Lerone Murphy, great knockout over Mako and Amir Khani. Uh, Mikhail Oleg Jaychuk, beautiful uppercut. Finishes Shamil Gamzatov. That was the first loss of Gamzatov's career. Elizu Zaleski Dos Santos, unanimous decision. Ridiculous. I don't know. I'm gonna, we'll talk about that. I'm sure we'll get questions about it. Albert Duraev beats Roman Kapilov. Duraev got tested a lot more than uh, a lot of people thought he would. Zubaira Tukagov, Ricardo Hamos, good fight. Good win for Tukagov. Amanda Hibas, you almost Ooh. forgot, beats Verna Jandaroba. That was a great performance. Magomed Ankalaev, definitely a title contender. But how about Hamzat Shemaev? How about Hamzat Shemaev? I like. I'll, I'll come on these shows once in a while and I'll make these picks and I'll put a foot in my mouth. I put like two feet and two elbows in my mouth thinking that Lee Jing Liang was going to go in there. He's going to weather that storm and he was going to finish Hamzat Shemaev in the third round. And I was so confident in that pick until I saw Hamzat Shemaev body lock Lee Jing Liang, carry him across the octagon while talking to Dana White at the same time, just so confident, just slams him down, doing whatever he wants. And at that point, I'm just like, wow, I, have, I don't think I've ever been more wrong in my entire career because this was not going to go much better for Lee Jingliang. There's no storm to be weathered after that. He completely took him out of that fight mentally. There's nothing you could do once that happens to you. And Hamza just goes out there three minutes later and just puts Lee Jingliang to sleep. This dude is the real deal. People don't want to believe it from t- at times, but this guy is the real deal. And if you want to throw him into a title fight right now, go right ahead. I am not going to stop you at this point. This guy, I, I want to see him fight everybody. I want to see him fight everybody in the top 10 at 70. I want to see him fight everybody in the top 10 at 185 AK. Ooh. I am so excited to see this guy fight. I am more sold on him now than I ever have been, and it's not even close. 
Listen, I, I tweeted this earlier. Uh, Usman, once you dispose of Covington, you should be trying to get Shemaev now. Because I think Shemaev yep. is not as, you know, not at the like, I think he's going to get even better. I think you get him now, and I think you have a very, I think Usman has a very good chance of beating him. A year from now, I don't know. It could be a different story. And again, maybe maybe any version of Usman beats Shemaev. I don't know. But boy, this guy really captures your imagination with his performances and makes you feel like he could beat anybody. Um, say what people want about the matchups. Like, oh, he needs. I want to see him face a wrestler. I want to face him, see him face a better grappler. But the tests he's faced so far, he has passed with uh, the most uh, you know flamboyant flying colors that you can possibly imagine. He looks like he's unstoppable. Again, if he fights a great a great wrestler someday, maybe he won't be. I don't know. But right now, the first four fights, mm-hmm. how can you not be excited? How can you not think he's a world caliber welterweight? And if again, if I'm Usman, I beat Covington, and I say, give me Shemaev now. Everyone's talking about uh, Hamza Shemaev. Give me him now. Hamza will jump right on it. And then, boom, uh, Usman takes out one of the hottest names in 170 and possibly nips that in the bud before Shemaev becomes, I don't know, the next GSP or something. He's 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 so talented. It's insane. So to, to AK's point, because I, I think I, I think it, you, you make a lot of sense. Like if you're going to fight this guy, you fight him now. And I know that Dana was asked about it at the press conference and other people mentioned on Twitter, like, Who's going to be excited to fight this guy? If you're going to fight Hamzat, I agree with AK. you got to fight him right now. So, Casey, if you are let's – just, let's just throw some names out there. If you're Bilal Muhammad, if you're Michael Chiesa, if you are anybody at 170, if you're Sean Strickland at 185, if you're Wonder Boy, if you're Gilbert Burns, if you're Nate Diaz, are you just – is everybody calling out Hamza right now? Like if you're going to get him, get him now. Are we all going after this this cash cow at this point? Because you know the UFC is going to push this dude to the moon at this point. Do we just go after him now and just try to just try to take him out? It's like Royal Rumble style. Like when Kane comes in, all ten guys and they want to throw him out of there. I feel like that's where Hamzat's at right now. If you're going to try to get him, you try to get him now. Get that payday before he becomes something else because he's only going to get better. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Uh, it. It reminds me a bit uh, when um, Floyd Mayweather fought Canelo, um, and and you can and Floyd even said, this is Floyd's whole buildup. Floyd was like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be really good. I'm gonna fight him now," and yeah, and he beat Canelo. But Canelo now that Canelo's at his prime, oh, I think he would whoop up on Floyd in his prime. But that's why Floyd was undefeated. He he knew how to pick his fights. And yeah, I think you you guys are right. Uh, fight him now. Either fight him now or change your phone number. That's it. <laughs> just uh, just yeah, just don't answer any calls from McMaynard or whoever's the matchmaker. You know, just nope, nope, don't, never, not gonna fight him. Um, I think uh, uh, Shmaev should. I mean, he's got, he's got to be. I mean, what, what what was Lee ranked in our ranking? Like he was in top fifteen, uh, right? I, I, he he was not top team, but he did get votes. He did get he votes. Did get votes. But okay, not, but regardless, not to my uh, Shemaev's dominance in those victories, I think you could justifiably easily put easily put him in the top ten just because of his domination that he had. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, if you're anyone in front of him, oh, man, just you ask you know you whatever you, whatever your contracted you no know, price for the UFC, you know, ask for a little extra to face that guy. That's all because he is going to be a big pain in the butt. Uh, man, but I didn't even think about the Sean Strickland. Uh, yeah, as far as that like, quick turnaround is going to 85, ooh, that's fun. And yeah, two people I mean, who want to commit an actual murder. Yeah, that's yeah, that's yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tre- tremendous stuff. It's only 27 years old. Mm-hmm. 
Jeez Louise, the future is very bright. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I was on the fence. I was on the fence. Yeah, go. Go ahead, Casey. No, I was on the no, fence about him. I, I, I mean, I, I believe the hype that the UFC was giving him. I wasn't like, I can't believe they're pushing this guy. You know, when the UFC pushes Greg Hardy, I'm like, this is stupid. I got why they're pushing Shemaev. Like that made sense. But with, of course, the the long layoff, the illnesses, and just him not facing the top guys, I just wasn't 100 percent sure. I mean, I did pick Lee to win by decision. I thought it was going to be competitive decision. I love being wrong, and I love that we have a new star. You know, so this is this this is super exciting. You, I you gotta ask the rankings. Oh, okay. I gotta ask AK real quick because it's on my mind. I just smirked thinking mm-hmm. about it. <laughs> AK, if you're Leon Edwards, what are you thinking right now? Are you worried? Are you concerned that even if you go out there, if yeah. you go Ooh. out there and you 30 to 27 <laughs> Jorge Mazadal, are you feeling good about it? Are you feeling good about it? Uh, like I said, it, it depends if Usman does decide to. Campaign for for Hamza. I don't know if he's thinking about that. This is just kind of saying what we would do if we were him, and like we said, like do the do the Mayweather catch a guy out of his prime thing. Usman might not be thinking about a matchup with Shemaev at all. Could be totally off uh, his right. I, I doubt that's the case. He's pretty savvy. I think he's very aware that uh, Hamza is coming. He probably is as aware of what happened in this fight. Um, so if you're Edwards, I wouldn't be super worried, even if he wins like a, a just you know a competitive decision against Masvidal. I think at this point he can't be denied, um, unless unless Usman uh, gets on the mic himself and, and and tries to manipulate sort of the his next who his next challenger is. Then it's all out the door. But um, but otherwise shouldn't be too worried. But uh, I wanted to make a note about the rankings. Uh, we mentioned where would he like where would where does Hamza go now? You said you would put him top ten just based on his performances. I think I might too. So going from the bottom of our rankings real quickly, I would put him above. Uh, we have three people tied for fifteen, so I'm going to mention a few names here. I would put him above Jason Jackson in Bellator. Mm-hmm. I'd put him above Rory McDonald. I'd put him above Jeff Neal. I'd put him above uh, PFL champion Ray Cooper. I'd put him above him. I'd put him above Bilal Muhammad. I'd put him above Douglas Lima, which sounds crazy. But I think I would put him above Douglas Lima. Style-wise, yeah, I can see that, yeah. And I'd put him above Michael Page. Uh, then we get to our top ten. There's Neil Magny, Michael Chiesa. And I could see people are making an argument that that's the next tier of guys he needs to beat. So I haven't done my – you know, we're going to do our rankings, uh, our next set of rankings this week. I haven't decided yet. But I see on my rankings he's at least jumping uh, up to like the number 11 spot, which sounds insane but is very possible. And the most insane stat, the fact that – Four fights against <laughs> professional mixed martial arts ultimate no, fighters. He's been hit once. <laughs> How is that possible? I, I, I tie my shoes. I go, ooh, I hit myself. You know, like, how, is, <laughs> how does he do? I don't, that's, in, yeah. that's insane. Yeah. And um, the hype is real. And he's the whole package. And he's different, too. He's got... He, he talks trash. He has kind of the broken English. You know, he's just like, I repeat, I smash, I smash. He picked up his opponent and, like, he didn't go to his corner. No, no, no. I'm going over there to the guy that writes my checks. Do, 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 do. You know, that's just, um, like, the guy, no. the guy sells fights while he's fighting. Unreal. I, I don't know if this is on purpose, but the video guys should make, the, like, the parallel video the next time they do a hype package. I feel like that was a, an unspoken homage to Dana White's favorite fight ever. Uh, Matt Hughes versus Frank Trigg too, yeah, which involved I Matt that. Hughes. I, I don't know if it's on purpose, but if it was, that's like the craziest thing. Because then Dana White definitely was kind of just like, "I love this guy. Like, <laughs> I'm gonna this guy. If Usman calls for this guy, that fight is happening." <laughs> I could see that. Yeah. I, could, I could see that. I could wow. see that. And if I'm guy, if I'm a guy like Daniel Rodriguez right now, who's ready to come back in early 2022, I'm shouting from the rooftops. 
to try to fight this guy too because you're a yes. surging guy trying to you just beat kevin lee i mean go for it like that's a so many fun options that's a yeah, yeah that's a for someone like rodriguez the the guys who should be calling out Shamayev are the guys who are expected to get their ass kicked, I think, by him. Even I, I, I think Nate Diaz should be calling out Shamayev because I don't think any I mean, I love Nate Diaz as a you know, just as a figure in the sport, but of course I'm picking Shamayev to, to kick Nate Diaz's ass. So and I think Nate Diaz I think I think that's just a great fight. I know people are like, well, why would you do that, Nate? But I, that's why I like Nate Diaz. I think he wants crazy fights like this. He wants to he wants to be tested. Yeah, he'll probably get his butt kicked, but that's what Nate Diaz is about, you know? And um, I, and and if Nate Diaz on his back, you know, let's 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 really see, you know, Shmaev have a serious threat from the person on the bottom, you know. So there's there's so many good fights. I like I, like, I didn't even think about Daniel Rodriguez, but that's an awesome fight. So um, man, UFC's got a star. Keep him healthy. Keep him healthy. Line that's him up. All. Line, Line him up. up. Keep him healthy. You still get, you could do the Kevin Holland fight. There's some beef there. There is. Oh, okay. <laughs> beef there. There's some stories. All right. Let's go to the peeps. We'll take some we'll take a few questions. Yep, do it. Do do do. Oh, old one. That always happens. <laughs> well, what'd you think about the Dana White, the whole Fedor thing got brought up again? <laughs> it's like, geez, again with Dana White and Fedor. He held back. He held back. You know, but he's not saying the dang tell me the numbers, Dana. You go, we gave him a contract. Well, tell me the numbers. It's like, what are the numbers you gave him, man? Um, you watched the fight. There's no doubt in my mind that you watched Fedor's knockout. Like, the question was about, like, re- the reaction to the knockout. Yeah. Originally. Like, yeah, it was just, yeah. It was just, it was just, it's just, it could have like, been worse. Yeah, it could have been worse. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Scott McCrate, I think Piotr Jan is going to be everyone he faces for the next three years. In a division that is full of killers, he is triple, triple oh, OG. Yeah, just yeah. People love him. I mean, listen, I don't, the guys are real good. I, I think of the guys right now. He has the best chance of putting together like a three to four fight uh, title defense streak. But I don't know if anyone's sitting at uh, the top of bantamweight for three years. That's a long time. A lot of stuff can happen. Chasing other, maybe he gets a, a wild hair up his butt, decides to go to featherweight. You know, with the, everyone's doing the two division thing now. So uh, I don't know. I, I I think like yeah, he he's gonna he can. I think I'll pick him to beat Sterling now. Um, should that happen and maybe the next challenger but after that we don't know we got we like like uh, scott even said himself so many killers coming up again uh marab devosh really maybe is his foil we don't know right it could be a style thing so uh I, I won't go that far i think i think at least another year maybe maybe by the end of 22 2022 excuse me he's still the champion he didn't really wrestle i mean he had a couple of takedowns but he really didn't wrestle at all which is kind of surprising and that just makes the performance even more impressive because i thought his wrestling down the stretch was gonna be the difference and he didn't even really need it so uh sheila good to hear from you good morning from the philippines it's almost 7 a.m here it was a challenge but ufc 267 definitely made it a lot easier to stay awake i thought about this as well sheila was this the best card so far in 2021 ak uh, I have the memory of a goldfish, so yes. You know why? Because I just watched it and I loved it. No, uh, no, it probably isn't. It probably isn't because um, I mean, it's funny. Of all the decisions, really, there was only one. Maybe the Volkov Tabura fight was maybe the only one that was like wasn't you know wasn't particularly enjoyable. Otherwise, you know, people most of the decisions were pretty good. Um, 
were pretty entertaining. They're all good fights. I didn't mind the Volkov fight either. I mean, I liked it. I, 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 it was it's a heavyweight fight, so it's definitely yeah. intriguing. And again, two two elite heavyweights, so that was certainly so. Uh, best card of the year again yeah I mean because I just watched it like again if our dear Jose uh, was was not putting out fires in Abu Dhabi right now I'm sure he'd have a much more comprehensive list than I, than I would but yeah I can't remember uh, I can't remember a better show but I also can't remember what I ate for breakfast yesterday so 14 fights um, the, the, I never I never felt the drag uh, what, uh, the, was the, the lad the lad um, lad uh, Dumont, Dumont. Oh, like that one felt long Maybe I don't know. That one just felt long. This one felt it felt like fourteen fights, but I wasn't like. Ugh. What was last it? Last week's felt long. Was it last, last week's week? felt long? Oh, maybe too. it was last week. What, Except what, for the main event. Yeah. Okay. No, it was last week's card that felt. Oh, you're right. I, I, I'm a, I have a memory of a goldfish, a, a very tired goldfish. <laughs> but um, I, I don't want to rank this as best fight of the card of the year, but it was awesome. And the fact that it was a it was a it was a pay per view worthy card. Um, it was it was a card that was worth seventy bucks, and that for most of us in the U.S. of A. got for free or five dollars if your subscription or whatever your ESPN Plus cost. What a great deal! Tonight, tonight was a great deal. Tonight was it was good to be an American MMA fan. Yeah, I mean it's up there. It's it's top three to five. It's top three card of the year for sure. I mean two sixty one yeah. was very memorable. Uh, had some rough moments. I mean, 260, 263 is probably going to be my number one. What, what, just because of like, everything names, we're right? still the, talking about. The, the numbers, about. I, I forget the numbers already. Who's the, who's the main event? Adesanya Vittori, okay. Brandon Moreno becoming the champ, flyweight champion, Leon Edwards, Nate Diaz, especially just the last 30 seconds of that fight. Uh, Bilal Muhammad, yeah. Paul Craig Jamal Hill was crazy. Brad Riddell, Drew Dober was a fight that's not being talked about enough mm-hmm. for like fight of the year contender. Um, just some good fights. I mean, it's just that was a good card. Terrence McKinney had that crazy yeah. knockout and then jumped off the cage. We thought he broke his leg. I mean, it's just <laughs> all sorts of crazy storylines yeah. that but great card on paper there. and it delivered. That's all. Great card on paper. Yep. A lot of high ranked fighters, fights that mattered, not just good fights, but fights that are awesome and they mattered to divisional rankings. And so cool. Yes, and it was early in the day. I dig that. <laughs> Not for the Philippines, yeah. though. Sorry. Uh, good good morning. Shout, shout out to the Philippines. Good for you guys who, uh, who stuck in yes. there and, and woke, uh, up, woke up or stayed up to watch that. Alex K. Lee is great now. I answered. Oh. Can we all agree that the real Prince of Positivity is Glover Teixeira? I answered this. Are you ready to give up that crown, AK? Oh, I don't have to. I don't have to. I answered it in the comments already. I said, I'm the prince. Glover Teixeira is the king. king. Yeah, there you go. So there you go. He's That's the all. King. He's, the, well he's the king of positivity. I bow down to him. Well played. Louis, Louis, are we just completely going to abandon Hamzat's best gimmick of fighting in two weight classes? He's fought twice in each 85 and 70. Let's keep this going. Can you think of a more exciting story? I mean, I'm, w- I'm with it. I'm completely with it. Just fight. If you get it at 85, get it at 70, cool. Imagine, like, just going up both weight classes and winning two titles. Like, not just, not just like, wow, you did so good at 170. Let's just give you a title fight at 185 without, like, ever fighting in the division. I'm talking about, like, just running through two divisions, making the climb up both of them. Yeah. And winning two titles. Like, that would be who hit, I mean, never, that would never be done again. Who has done that? Has UFC even allowed that? Uh, like a fighter to kind of go up the ranks in two divisions, not just be a champ and then jump over. I don't think I, so. I can't. I can't think of one at the same time. Yeah, at the I same time, like so. Yeah, it. like be a contender in two divisions without being the champ. I think. Yeah, that's or even a former champ. Yeah, I think um, that would be really cool. 
That would be cool. <laughs> we need, we need to see him fight Strickland. We need to see him fight Strickland. Yeah. And that's, unless Strickland's coming down to 170. I mean, Shimaev's got to go back up. Go, got to go up and get him. Man, that would be awesome. That would be cool. <laughs> just keep, flip, just okay. keep flip-flopping. That would be cool. That would be – oh. So many what, things we can do. Yeah. And, and I think that fight would have to go by old uh, – by Navy rules where uh, first one to die loses. <laughs> so <laughs> – Oh, and I don't oh, think anyone would object to just, that. Just the ultimate murder championships. You know how it goes. Just that one fight. Just oh, that one fight. Just one fight. Both guys. Like, first yeah. one to die loses. I think that's more than fair. You know what? It, it, we'll, we'll hire that ref. Vyacheslav. <laughs> I'm sure there's a question there. Vyacheslav Kisilev. My goodness. Oh, I don't know if one of there's a question about her. Yeah. That was so awful. We might as well just talk about Can we just it? talk I mean, about that? Yeah, let's just talk about it. Yeah. What the hell was that guy thinking? This and his team didn't throw in the towel either. And listen, I know we've talked about this before. Yeah. I know the Calvin Cater thing gets brought up a lot. Referee didn't stop that one. But although I, I felt Cater was in a much better spot than uh, what was the young man's name? Benoit Saint Denis, Saint Denis, Saint Denis. Yeah. yeah, I mean this dude. Th- I I scored that a ten seven round. You did okay, I mean, good. Dude, I thought that was I thought it was a ten seven round. I scored a ten seven. He got. I mean. I, Pull up the UFC stats for that round, Casey. I'm curious oh, to see what the stats are for yeah. that round. How many strikes he that man absorbed? But the referee doesn't stop it. Santini is tough as hell. That good on it. If you want to let it go, and the coach want to let him go out for a third round, great. But like he got lit up immediately in the third round. Like wobbled, almost went down. Right then, then you're just like, all right, dude, you've had enough. Like, get out of there. You're too tough for your own good. And then. And then he takes a point away from Alexis Santos for a knee that barely grazed his cup. When I first saw the replay, I'm like, that wasn't even a low knee. He hit him in the belly. And then looking at it again, you saw it like barely grazed the cup. And the referee, who doesn't stop the fight, he's literally standing there watching Eliza Zaleski dos Santos hit this dude 175,000 times in a row, just watching it like, hmm, hmm. nope, still breathing. Nope, his eyes are still open. No, he's only lost like two quarts of blood. We're going to let this thing go. But then he takes a point away. And I, at that point, I was ready to take my chair and throw it off the balcony. I'm like, are you are you friggin' kidding me right now? What is going on? What are you thinking, AK, watching this whole thing? Because I know everybody was kind of on the same page here. But I was like, come on, man. Like, what, what, is, what are you doing? It was uncomfortable, man. It was it, <laughs> it was not. MMA is supposed to be fun, right? That's my that, that wasn't fun. That wasn't fun to watch. And Saint Denis is absurdly tough. I called him the French zombie. Uh, he and, and I get it. At a glance, you know, he was at a glance. He was uh, he was throwing back. He he wasn't falling. I I, I assume uh, Mr. Kisilev was waiting to see if he would actually. As soon as he dropped, maybe he would wave it off. Even then, probably not. I felt like he was still going to give him a chance. But he almost he almost had made up his mind. I'm not going to call standing KO, um, which is crazy because this was this. Is, People are going to say, okay, well, he was fighting back. Sandini was fighting back. And it's like, okay, but to our eye, yes, that's it. That's what it is. To the referee, the trained referee whose job it is to oversee the fight and protect the fighters, it, they have to be able to distinguish between a fighter intelligently fighting back and uh, not intelligently fighting back, which is what the case was here. 
Saint Denis is on autopilot. I guarantee you, he does not remember enormous chunks of this fight. Uh, we've seen uh, Tim Elliott talk about how he's he's gotten like rocked in, a, in the opening round and gone a distance and does not remember the last two rounds. I'm telling you, that is almost definitely the case with Saint Denis. If not, again, he's even tougher than I imagined. Um, so the referee just did a terrible job. Uh, uh, the commentary team wanted to shout at him. They were shouting, and I, they almost wanted to shout directly at him to tell him to stop the fight. They resisted. It's not their job. I get it. They didn't want to have a Dan Hardy incident. That's fine. I don't, I don't blame them at all. It's not their job. It's the referee's job. Then secondarily, it's his corner. I think a lot of people failed uh, Benoit Santini in this fight. I hope he goes on. He's a very talented guy, as we saw in this fight. I hope he goes on to uh, uh, rack up wins, have great success, take less damage, and this is just a footnote. But I feel like, um, much like with the young uh, Max Roscoff, this is something that's going to... Who, by the way, is winning fights for Cage Warriors right now, but... This is the kind of incident. It's going to hang over his head for a while. And uh, the only good news is we probably won't see Kisilev uh, referee a UFC event ever again. 94 significant strikes landed by Elizo uh, Zaleski Dos Santos in the second round. 94. And I would say he got rocked. He probably rocked Santini with like the fifth or sixth. So we're talking like 84 like follow up big shots after that for the rest of the round. And Santini to his credit was throwing back himself, but like at some point you just got to step in there. This referee wasn't even like thinking about stopping it. Wasn't even looking at it. Didn't, didn't faint it. It wasn't like, give me, give me something. Give me something. Wasn't doing that whole thing. I'm going to stop the fight. You see that boxing. I watch a lot of boxing and man, that would not happen in boxing. You see, first of all, the, the corners would never allow that in boxing. And MMA just has a different, I don't know, it's just the culture is different. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put an equal amount of blame on his corner. Um, I mean, I know, I know the ref is you know, supposed to do his job. That's part of the corner's job, too. Um, they're supposed to protect their fighter. And their fighter did not have a chance to win that fight. And you have to, you have, you have to stop the fight. I don't know. That's just it's pretty to me. It's pretty simple. The point deduction thing was is another stupid story. That's another just it just adds more to the stupidness and um, the danger poke. of that fight. And oh, and there was eye poke. Yeah, the eye poke. There was the eye poke. I can't see. I can't see. Oh yeah, yeah I, I believe they said. They said he said they can't see. see. He, he and then he wanted he the he gave him a way out. He goes, I can't see. And the ref's going. That was he gave him, he gave him a way out. Oh, ah, and he did not not even that. He didn't even call the doctor in. Not calling the doctor to look at it. Just said, "You're st- you, so you can't see, but you can still fight." Okay, go ahead. <laughs> Is that you can't see, but you got two eyes, right? Like your other eye, jerk. Ah, oh, I forgot about that. Never Wait. again. Never again. <laughs> yeah. And then he took the point after that. I was like, "This Me- is just unbelievable." But going to the point thing real quick, I see a lot of people, media members, and fans, and they're very like. They're very hard on like the whole, you know, I kind of joke about this. I kind of joke how, you know, um, groin shots and eye pokes and fence grabs are completely legal in MMA. I always joke. They're completely legal. The first one's always legal. This ref obviously doesn't obey that, obey that rule. But a lot, of, a lot of people think that every eye poke, every groin shot should be automatic point deduction. I don't, I don't agree to that. Do you think that, sh- that, that after the first eye poke, do you think uh, uh, Dozanta, how do you say his name? Zelis? Zelis? Zaleski. Do you think he should have got a point? Do you, do you think those point deductions were he should have got a point deduction for the eye poke, too? No, no, I, I don't I think don't so either. I'm just kind of wondering how you feel about that. The groin shot to me, it looked like it even hit. 
<laughs> I got. And then he took a point. Yeah, yeah that, point. the whole thing, the whole thing was just bizarre. It just seemed like the weirdest time to take a point. Yeah. After the vicious beating, he doled out in the second round. And you let the fight go, and then thank God for Jason Herzog in the very next fight. Giraffe's going for a takedown. Kapilov yeah. holds on to the cage. Herzog doesn't take the point away. He's like, all right, dude, like, we're going to put you right back in this position. And Drive just takes him right down and beats beats his ass for the yeah. round. And, I mean, just – and then they pulled, obviously, this referee from the rest of the car, which they should have because that dude should never be allowed to referee a UFC fight ever again. So, um, yeah, and, and, and take my that's the UFC's commission, correct? That's – yeah, so the, the UFC doesn't necessarily – control the commission but that's the that's that's their internal commission i don't know how that works anymore so it's something to that effect yes yeah so but ufc seemed to pull them out they can't they can't pull them out during the fight so the ufc seemed to do the right thing yeah it's not under like a state commission it's like an abc like kind of whatever abc yeah. like universal role they have but basically they commission themselves in the the long and the short of it yeah um, all right. Uh, all right. Well, we got anything else? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Take like two more, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Joseph Boza, is the UFC happy with Jan beating Corey? Will we get that conclusion Jan and those fans deserve with Sterling versus John too? It's amazing how everyone's just not giving Sterling any chance at all. Um, <laughs> but yes, I, I would say yes. The, the UFC is very happy with Jan beating Corey, not just because of what it sets up with Sterling. I feel like, and maybe you don't agree with this, AK, I feel like if Bantamweight, which I keep calling the Intercontinental Division because I don't feel like there's going to be any like huge breakout stars at 135, I feel like Jan is probably, if it's ever going to happen at this point moving forward, Jan is probably the guy to 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 be that guy that could sort of carry the the division and headline events, so forth and so on. So I think the UFC was happy with that for that reason as well. Yeah, he's not like an A-tier, you know, uh, McConnor McGregor, Ronda Rousey-level star. But there's the thing to be said about consistency, uh, having a persona. Um, I think he's someone who's, who is distinct. I think his style stands out. Um, I think he has a bit of a sense of humor. You know, we've mentioned him kind of horsing around at the uh, the workouts. So there, there's something there. He's Again, he's not going to be a, a consistent drawing 600, 700,000 pay-per-view buys every time. But the UFC doesn't need everyone to be like that. It's like you said, they need uh, – it's like you said, uh, Mike, they need someone to anchor 12 pay-per-views a year. You know what I mean? So if they have a guy who can be either main or co-main, Jan is that guy. He's a, he's I think he is he is marketable in his own way for sure. Um, yeah, and I think they're happy with no, with no disrespect to Corey Sanhagen. It's just uh, this makes things a little bit clearer um, to setting up the Jan-Sterling uh, rematch, which was, again, was the plan all along until Sterling had to uh, recover from from uh, with his neck injury. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know if they're over the moon with it, but uh, definitely makes their jobs easier. Yeah, I think happy is the wrong word. I think um, from a promotional standpoint, um, it, this is good promotionally wise, but I think if San Hagen won, I don't think they would have been like, gosh darn it. You know, it's just that's how I, I believe the UFC is at, at the point, you know, where it's just whoever wins wins. I, I do believe Dana when he says that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. Um, just before we end this, because we briefly talked about their fight, but. Um, <laughs> John, I hope that EKC isn't too upset after getting beat up by, by he boss. <laughs> <laughs> Amanda Hebas looked awesome. Amanda Hebas looked awesome tonight. I thought Verna was going to put some work on her. And uh, Amanda, uh, we talked. Me and AK were kind of chatting online about this. Uh, 
but Amanda Hebas, her striking, her just her just overall presence as a fighter in there was um, she looked like she made big improvements from was her last fight Marina Rodriguez. Is that was that her last yeah. fight? Yeah, um, she looked like she made big improvements, and she just looked like uh, uh, the better fighter in there. And uh, I was very impressed by Amanda Hebas. And um, yeah, what did you guys think of her performance? Great, she looked just, awesome. Yeah. it was a y'all must have forgot kind of fight. Her striking, um, it was, it was, I, I, her striking looked just. I won't say no. She's like I'm not saying she's you know Joanna and like this Muay Thai champion now, but. It was very competent, very competent, and she looked just controlled in there. She looked like she was comfortable striking. And, and she did barely got hit. She yeah. barely got hit in that fight, especially down the stretch. She barely got touched. Shout out, shout out to Jandro, one for a good fight. And of course, coming out to Island Boy and making our making our pal Errol Hawani <laughs> over the moon with ha- you have no like guys, you saw him tweeting about it. He was in our he's in our Slack channel. He's not he, he would not shut up about it. This dude was happy. He was so happy. And uh, Israel sees Kamakari asking, what is up with the Island Boys phenomenon? Do you guys actually like the music? It, it, it's not just about liking it. It's, 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 listen, the lifestyle. this probably isn't, I was going to say, this is, probably isn't a politically correct thing to say. Uh, but those two guys who made, they're a couple of freaks. Okay. And there's just something bizarre, mesmerizing about the 90 second clip, no beat. It's there's there's this cultural appropriation going on. It's just it's a whole thing. It's it's definitely not like unironic, uh, Scott. It's not like oh yeah, this is an amazing song. No no no. We are enjoying this. I, I, I we are enjoying this somewhat ironically. Um, and for a UFC fighter to come out to that song was just absurd and so funny. And she will end up on the MMA hour wall. I, I don't call the shots around there, but I can tell you. Uh, Errol's a man of his word when it comes to that stuff. You're going to see that picture of Vernon on there a lot. Oh, yeah. They're bringing, they're bringing DC down, and it's going to be Verna. <laughs> DC, you're done. That would, oh, that would be so funny. If he took someone down and it was Cormier. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. To make room. That would be the coldest <laughs> be thing ever. Yeah. So but, cool. but, uh, super, but super excited about Amanda Eba's um, improvements. She looked awesome. Okay. Uh, she looked really good. I was super impressed. Yeah. Shout outs. I, I don't know if we're doing any more questions, but shout outs to Joe Martinez, too. I know we had oh, a question yeah. way, 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 way back. Shout outs to Joe Martinez. Did a great job. Everyone, so, someone was asking, why do we, some of us in the media, say we think he's better than Bruce Buffer? Not everybody. I, I'm of that camp. I know Damon Martin is. I don't, I don't want to speak for you guys. Um, and I'm not, it's not, and it's not to say anything bad about Buffer. I think Joe Martinez does a great job with. Uh, for me, keeping the emphasis on the fighters, um, great pronunciation. I think he's better on average at pronouncing names than Bruce Buffer. Uh, Bruce Buffer, his energy, look, amazing, ama- very difficult to match. Uh, he definitely gives things a big fight feel. We're very used to Bruce Buffer. So I don't blame anyone who loves Bruce Buffer. Like he's Bruce Buffer's there for a reason. He, he, he creates that epic feel to a fight. But uh, I, I am more of a Joe Martinez guy. I like uh, someone who's a little less distracting. Uh, to, to put it nicely, but I mean, both guys are great, but I thought Joe Martinez superb throughout the night and glad he got that job and hope, uh, hope Bruce Buffer's feeling well. And we'll let you guys will see him at uh, Madison square garden next week. next week. There you go. Good stuff. Well said. There's the music. I was just waiting for it. Yeah. Get some sleep, everybody. <laughs> I mean, actually you don't even have to. I mean, if you're on the West Coast, like I'm gonna watch some baseball now. Watch some baseball. They go out to baseball. Go out to dinner. Go see a movie. Read a book. Like, yeah. <laughs> Read a book. Read a book. Hang out with the fam. Do whatever you gotta do. Walk the dog. You got plenty of time for that. But uh, AK and I back tomorrow morning. On to the next one. We match make. It's gonna be a loaded show because we're matching for a lot of people. Uh, 
yeah and then we're on to ufc 268 next week jose is going to the airport now to fly from abu dhabi to new york to cover ufc 268 so that dude is a madman thank you jose and thank all of you for watching right now for casey for ak i am mike heck ufc 267 in the books oh by the way ak i don't even think i told you this vtl tournament kicks off next week you're in the first matchup Against Damon Martin. Oh, no. <laughs> Scares me. Stay tuned. Good night, everybody. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. The Bellator Champion Series is back in action Friday, May 17th, live from Paris, France. Reigning bantamweight champ Patchy Mix defends his belt in a rematch against dangerous submission specialist Magomed Magomedov. And Cedric the Best Doombay makes his Bellator debut in front of a home Paris crowd versus Jaleel the Realist Willis. Don't miss the action live at noon EST on HBO here in the U.S. And visit bellator.com watch for information on how to watch around the world. This is the very first time you'll be able to stream a Cedric Doombay fight here in the U.S., so make sure you don't miss it.